Hello and welcome to the Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast, reviewing the 1997 sequel to Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're discussing Minute 15 of the Lost World. David, how have you been, sir? Easter break, it's a long weekend. Yeah, I've been good, man, I've been good. Uh, got a new Star Wars book coming today about the uh, costumes and props and stuff. Been looking to buy it for a long time now, and I got a $30 Amazon gift card for Easter that paid for it. Ah, very nice. And I suppose you are the uh, the resident Star Wars fan here. The trailer's come out. What did you think? Uh, it looks really... It, I think it looks cool. A lot of people are like, oh, that wasn't as good as The uh, the Force Awakens. I loved it. Yeah, no, it uh, it definitely has some good visuals in it. Um, yeah. I, I reckon it sort of followed The Force Awakens trailer pretty closely myself, but uh, I don't... If fans are waiting to see these trailers just to to know if they're going to go and see the movie or not, then I suppose they're not really fans. Whether the trailer comes out or not, you're still going to go see the film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so... <laughs> ah, fanboys. Um, <laughs> we've had some uh, Jurassic World 2, or Ancient Future stuff, uh, released over the last couple of weeks too, starting off with some new sets being built in uh, Hawaii, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. Um now, I was trying to think when these come out. Normally, every time they build a set in Hawaii, it's for something representing a structure either on Sauna or Nublar, which sort of goes along with the fact we've seen Main Street again, so they are returning to Nublar. But there was one thing filmed for Jurassic Park that wasn't set on the islands, and that was the uh, the Amber Mine. It was supposed to be the uh, Dominion Republic um, that we see at the start. Hey, that, was, that one was filmed on Kauai. Yeah, but it was supposed to represent the Dominican Republic. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, where well, everything else that's been built and filmed there um, has been set on the actual islands. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, again, it's another undressed structure. So, in time, um, I know Real Tours Hawaii are over there on the scene at the moment checking all that out. Um, Actually, I did see some uh, dress uh, set pics of it where they started plastering up and painting it. And uh, the speculation that it was the Jurassic Park, you know, those tunnels that came where, where the, when the cars come out of the tunnel there and um, onto the T-Rex paddock? Yep, yep. It, it kind of looks like that. If uh, It kind of looks like that sloping tunnel. Yeah, I know um, the guys over at the outpost were suggesting it sort of looked like a tunnel as well, but you can sort of see it almost looks like there's little slanted roofs either side of it. Like there's some sort of substructure lower down, but um, that'd be that'd be interesting if there is sort of some of that tunnel. We might be returning to the uh, the T Rex paddock area, mm-hmm. which would be very exciting. Also, we've had some more pics come out from uh, Europe or the UK with uh, Lockwood Manor uh, gates and seal that are uh, being built over there. Massive set that they're building on site over there. Yeah. And Lockwood Manor, like speculation is now, we've seen the seal with the big L on it. Um, mm-hmm. Got a seal with a big L on it and uh, ornate kind of lizards. Not sure what kind of kind they are, but they look like lizards surrounding the L. Yeah, uh, I, and I brought this up with us, uh, I think it was yesterday, that um, all the detail and all the work going into this logo, it's probably only going to be a five-second thing, just like the uh, that amber statue or whatever it was in the dining room we've been talking about. <laughs> Here, yeah, and, really. here and on the uh, Jurassic Park Minute, Kyle and Brady, but um, 
I like when uh, the set construction guys go all out and go all overboard with the details, though, because I like they did that with the worker village in The Lost World mm. and, it's, and um, a lot of the Main Street and Jurassic World. And it's just, it's fun. You rewatch the movie, you catch new details, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It makes re- rewatching the movie worth it. Yeah, you just need a Blu-ray and you the ability to pause and uh, actually take in that detail. Um, yeah. There was one thing you couldn't do back in the day of VHS. <laughs> and trying to screen cap as well. <laughs> take pictures oh, of the screen. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, VHS, forget it. Yeah. Wreck the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, is there uh, anything else that's uh, happened this last week or so that you want to bring up? Uh, the submarine. Oh, submarine scene. Oh, I haven't read into that. Um, take it away. Apparently there's supposed to be a submarine scene, an action scene around a submarine uh, that uh, in the next Jurassic World movie. And it, I'm, I didn't read, I didn't hear too many details about it, but it's supposed to be an action scene and it's going to contain a submarine of some sort. Hmm. This is according to one of the actors, I forget which one, um, that's in the next movie. Okay. Because I've seen some, uh, I've seen some speculation. People were thinking that the uh, Mosasaur is going to be attacking the sub. Um, mm-hmm. There's not really any explanation on how that can happen. Um, with her being confined on the island and not really having any way out. Um, yeah. And I don't no, know, I don't know about introducing the whole marine reptiles to the uh, open ocean. Um, nothing, yeah. nothing says contained to me about that. Like I can't see a secret lab somewhere having marine reptiles, um, unless unless there's something to do with that research lab Sorkin had in the game that they're bringing into it. I doubt it, but um... I can kind of see that. It reminds me of those old uh, sci-fi creature features I used to watch as a kid, and in particular, and ironically, this is something that Stan Winston Studios worked on: Peter Benchley's Creature which is about, like, this mutated humanoid shark thing attacking these guys in the Bahamas, and it's got that guy from CSI on it, and <laughs> and, and it's, uh, I mean, it's not a great movie, but the creature effects are good, but only because it's Sam Winston that did them, but it's it's fun if you like creature features. Mm. In, like, a uh, abandoned ship on the, on, washed up on the Isla Nublar or something like that, yeah. Where Wu is the secret lab with all kinds of weird genetic mutations. <laughs> no, that'd be very interesting. It uh, it reminds me a lot of Deep, uh, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of it. Um, we know that uh, Owen was ex Navy SEAL, so he might still have a contact he can use to uh, wrangle up a sub. <laughs> That doesn't really happen in real life. It only happens in the movies. But uh, hey, we'll see what happens. <laughs> if that's uh, if that's all we got, we can uh, get into the fifteenth minute of the Lost World. All right. As the 14th minute of the Lost World ends, John Hammond tries to reassure Malcolm that his girlfriend Sarah Harding will be fine and on the island. But she's been studying African predators for years. At 14 minutes, Hammond says to Malcolm, "She knows what she's doing," and to believe him that the research team but Malcolm cuts him off, raising a finger. It's not a research expedition anymore, it's a rescue operation, it's leaving right now. At 14 minutes 11 seconds, we get a familiar Jurassic Park fanfare as John Hammond turns and Malcolm leaves Hammond's office. At 14 minutes and 17 seconds, 
Hammond slowly turns and walks towards his desk, counting off numbers on his hand. At 14 minutes and 25 seconds, he checks the folders in his hand, counting off the three members, smiles, and then walks off. At 14 minutes and 31 seconds, we cut to a large warehouse, Eddie Carr telling Malcolm that he can't shave three days off his deadline. At 14 minutes and 37 seconds, the two men walk past the massive trailers that are being built in the warehouse. Alongside that, three Mercedes AAVs are also being worked on, all at various degrees of completion. At 14 minutes and 50 seconds, Malcolm gets frustrated he can't get the satellite phone working and begins tapping it on the bull bar of the RV. At 14 minutes and 55 seconds, the white van begins to reverse into the warehouse while Eddie and Malcolm continue to squabble over the satellite phone not working. At 15 minutes and 48 seconds, Malcolm asks Eddie if he's coming along. Eddie replies he doesn't really like the feel that much. Eddie sends the 15th minute of the Lost World. So we, uh, we ended up the 15th minute here with uh, the last of Hammond in his, um, in his office, trying to reassure Hammond, uh, Malcolm that uh, Sarah will be fine. She's studied African predators, sleeping downwind and all that sort of stuff, and that she knows what she's doing. It's sort of akin to the, uh, the novel Sarah Harding, maybe not so much the one we see in the movie. And then we get the, uh, the line from Malcolm. It's uh, not a research expedition anymore. It's a rescue operation. It's leaving right now. Um, right now. Right now. I know. <laughs> it, uh, it takes him a while to get there. For him wanting to go yes. down and rescue her. Like, the obvious one is why not just jump on a helicopter and go down and get her? Um, oh, I think he also wanted the research equipment that Hammond provided just because it was already good uh, expedition equipment. You had the two, you had the two M classes, the uh, AAV, and then you had the Fleetwood trailers. So they're all expedition-ready and quality vehicles. He, he just needed, he probably wanted the equipment to use it. Well, protection. He could, yeah. He could fly down there and just jump off the chopper, but of course that's going to attract unwanted attention. Um, mm-hmm. He's got no idea where on the island she is. Um, Eddie's got the tracking equipment that we'll see a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So it, it does make a little bit sense. As we jump in into the next scene... Um, we do know that he's sped up the operation a bit and they're going earlier than they're supposed to. But, um, uh, we get the uh, the Jurassic Park fanfare building up. with um, And it sort of trails off with those chimes or something. Mm-hmm. A triangle that I love. Um, just a little, little nice little change. Not just yeah. a rehash. Um, it, does a couple, it does that a couple times in the course of the movie. I think it does it again when Ludlow mentions Jurassic Park San Diego in the camp, and then again later when uh, Nick Van Owen discovers the uh, operations center in the worker village, and he sees that big mural that's all covered in vines. Yeah, but I love, I love when that happens because it's, uh, it's a lot more morning, yeah, a lot more it, slower. Um, yeah, it's a nice little callback. As uh, Spielberg said, it makes you want to go back and watch the first movie. <laughs> and a lot of people that uh, dislike the film will, will agree with that. <laughs> One last thing here before we get off uh, Hammond. He turns around, he walks back into his office, he takes a look at his files under his arm and sort of counts off the three members again, almost like he's re, uh, replaying the previous scene. Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit of amnesia or something setting in. No, no, what he does is he's he looks at he, 
because he counts off he counts off his fingers and he realizes then he adds a fourth and he smiles to himself and what he does is he realizes he got he got uh he got Ian Malcolm to do what he wanted him to do. <laughs> All right, so he yeah. got responded even if it's not exactly the way he wanted to get it. That's the he was being sneaky and clever as he is. <laughs> oh, that's great. I've never even never noticed that before. Because I'm just thinking, why is he just sitting there and doing doing that? But now that makes total sense. It kind of like a little like a little fist bump with his uh, or like a little ka-ching mm. kind of uh, movement with his arm there. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's the last we see of Hammond until the end. Um, mm. And we cut to. Uh, a very large warehouse somewhere with it, uh, a lot of vehicles inside being equipped. We got uh, Eddie Carr walking beside Ian Malcolm, telling him he can't shave three days off his deadline. He's not fully supplied. He hasn't field tested anything. Um, even with the three days taken off the deadline, this looks like it's being left to the last minute. <laughs> There's a lot of cars with bonnets still off them. Um, and it's one interesting thing here too. We get the aerial of the uh, vehicles being made, and there's three of the Mercedes AAVs being made. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, three aren't sent to the island in the end. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why we don't see the third one on the island. It's the bubble top Mercedes, the one that, uh, and in the concept art, and I think this is how it was in the movie too. I can't remember though. They had a. They had a third chair that was kind of raised up in the, in the uh, trunk there area there, and you could swivel around and look at animals from the safety of the car. But you could see, you could look up, you could look out, you could see all like a 360 view, and like a half hemisphere uh, view. And I'm not really sure why they cut it out. Maybe they just couldn't fit it on the barge. Maybe they maybe it was uh, just they couldn't finish it in time. Yeah, um, I think it was um, it was codenamed uh, Observatory. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. It wouldn't looking at the overhead when we get to the barge. I don't think it would have fitted on there at all. But um, I think you you might have mentioned it um, off podcast that uh, everyone being four members of the team, there's four vehicles to go to the island and. Personally, yeah, that that awesome. doesn't that doesn't seem very low impact. <laughs> no. um, like you're gonna go there, okay? Everyone's got to have a car um, or a vehicle, even though each one carries four or five people on their own. Um, mm. Yes, it uh, adds more to action scenes later on where you got more stuff to destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know there's there's production photos and promotional photos out there of that third Mercedes getting around, and uh, it's now sitting yeah, in the Mercedes. It's now sitting in the Mercedes Museum over mm-hmm. in Germany, um, where I'm pretty sure it's been since the uh, marketing ended and it went over there in '98. Um, so I was finding interesting in the Mercedes uh, in the Mercedes Museum. There's some shots of it with the bubble top. But in a lot of the promotional shots, you actually see they attached a tire on top of it. Yeah, so, yeah. Which both sort of look look cool the way that the molding has it up there. But, um, mm-hmm. but I suppose at least it's being looked after over there a lot better than the ones that are sitting out the back of uh, Universal Studios. The ride <laughs> and that over there. Um, and we also get the start of uh, Malcolm asking what a satellite phone doesn't work and. Um, mm-hmm. 
sort of laying the groundwork for later on why there isn't a simple rescue. Mm-hmm. Because, um... Now, this was something I never exactly liked that they did with uh, Ian Malcolm's character, because um, the the being bad at technology was always Grant's uh, shtick, and I don't like that they did that with Ian Malcolm because he's a he's a mathematician. He's good at computers, so I don't know why they would make it look like he's not good at with computers. Yeah, but I've seen it more so, as in in this case. Yeah, but I've seen it more as Eddie's equipment just wasn't working properly. Because he's, like, as we get in a minute, um, Eddie's saying that um, you got to baby it a little bit, and you got to love it, and Malcolm's saying you love it when it works, but... <laughs> um, It'll work when you love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a callback to the 90s. The satellite phone's the size of a suitcase. Um, oh, yeah, really? And, um, Before it's uh, car phones, which you had... Which was like the size of a suitcase. Yeah, yeah. And to try and get it working, he uh, gives a little gives a little tap on the bull bar at the RV, <laughs> which is great. When in now doubt, when at in, the time they did used to work. Yeah, when in doubt, just give it a tap. <laughs> but we've also got our introduction here to uh, Eddie Carr, Richard Schiff. I um, I hadn't seen or heard anything from him before this film, and sort of I know he's in like it was West Wing and some other stuff like that post. Um, yeah, I used to watch him uh, in West Wing when I was a kid. Yeah, I the only thing I've really seen him in is um, I remember him from Deep Impact as uh, Frodo's dad and um, in Man of Steel as well. But um, he's was... also in the '90s disaster movie uh, Volcano with Tommy oh, Jones. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Kind of uh, one of those B-level disaster movies that are kind of just fun to make fun of. That's the, yeah, that's the nineties where we had the, the the two disaster movies going up against each other for yeah. every weekend. We had uh, yeah, Volcano and Dante's Peak, and then um, uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon as well. Uh-huh. Um, but that was great, and it was good also that uh, he returned for the Lego World, uh, the Lego World, the Jurassic World Lego game to voice the Eddie Carr character in that. I did. Yeah. I I didn't play that game. You haven't played it yet. No, I mean I've played it, but I haven't like gotten all the way through it. No, I I brought it just so I could explore the worker village. <laughs> <laughs> now, the interesting thing about that is they, I can tell that they you that they really did their homework on that worker village. Mm. And it was it's like when I when I first saw screenshots of it, I'm like, yes, all that hard work I did paid off. The Lego the Lego Jurassic World game got got it so correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like even like Main Street and a lot of the other locations. Like, yes, there's added stuff for gameplay, but the uh, the base models and the layout is um, is pretty good. And, yeah, they really did their homework for that game. Not so much on the maps because yeah. they used the, they used the on Isla Sona. They used actually uh, Jurassic Park Legacy's old map that they created for <laughs> that um, game for for their encyclopedia before they realized it was a prop map and they it was based on an older script and they redid it. But you can tell that they used Jurassic Park Legacy's old map because the all the locations that they have there are the same that, as on the Legacy map. Hmm. And knowing what we know about Universal, the original stuff probably doesn't exist and they had to go out and try and uh, source information from online and that's probably how that come to happen. But it does exist. Um, for example, the prop map exists. 
that they had the old prop map, but I believe it's in a private collector's hands. I'm not sure who that private collector is, but I have seen photos of it surface, like brand new photos of it. Well, and it did surface. it did appear in movies post Lost World too. So, oh yeah, that's true. Um, the Expendables, and there was a map that you get a quick glance of in that in the first movie, and it's easy to sort out. Yeah. Did you not? Yep. Oh yeah, I I noticed that watching the film straight away without even going online to think what the hell's going on here. Just um, yeah, with uh, Stallone sitting there looking at the map of <laughs> Sauna, I'm going, what the hell is going on here? Uh, but there's there's sort of um, props reused and other stuff before. Like I've, yeah. I've seen seen stuff from Jurassic Park, even though it wasn't screen used in um, other stuff as well. So it happens, and um, yeah. it, and it's great, like. Richard Schiff, he has some good comedic timing on this. He's probably one of the funnier characters, which makes his uh, demise a little bit later more depressing. Um, yeah. You often, I suppose, because it's new, you'll hear people always on the uh, the poor Zara from Jurassic World thing, but uh, I always say poor Eddie. He didn't deserve it. <laughs> and uh, that's also something I didn't like that uh, was in um, the Nostalgia Critics review of the lost world was he's like oh they, they make the pudgy doughy guy die well the pudgy doughy guy died in the book too so yeah yeah <laughs> good point yeah uh, just a different death and that that scene would have been good yeah. to see on screen as well but uh-huh. oh well we can only hope for uh vicious velociraptors once again in these films um mm-hmm. also um interesting too here we got the trailers and the uh missiles being built um, it's interesting, we see they walk past one and someone strikes up a torch, um, even though it's fully painted and uh, looks like it's ready to go. So it's just interesting to see if it's um, halfway through production, they decide to do a walkthrough, because there is a lot of stuff that's incomplete. Um, like the back of the back door of the trailer is still laying on, its, um, laying on a frame, ready to be installed, and we see bonnets of cars open and sort of stuff that could probably be redressed and attached quickly mm-hmm. for uh, later scenes of them driving. But uh, it's de- It was definitely filmed before they did the trailer scenes, though, because if you look at the um, the Eddie Carr AAV after the trailer scene, uh, that thing was wrecked. They, It was destroyed. I mean, it was absolutely destroyed. Mm. So, they, so they definitely filmed it before they did the trailer scene, at least. Yeah. Yeah, um, and when we get uh, we get uh, the white van reversing into the uh, warehouse and our introduction to Nick Van Owen. Um, mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn straight off the set of Swingers. Um, like the story is pretty much well known how Spielberg seen him in Swingers and uh, wanted him in his next film. Um, again, offers a good bit of comedic timing as well. Actually, if you look at Eddie, or not Eddie, uh, Nick Van Owen's van, the license plates are New York license plates. They got a red Statue of Liberty on them. Are they? Now, that was interesting. I was going to bring that up. I, I tried to rewatch it a couple of times. I haven't got the HD version ripped here to, uh, to view. Yeah. But um, I was going to ask the location of this warehouse. In the I book, don't know the location of the warehouse, but I do know that Eddie's, Eddie is at least a New York City resident. Yeah, in the novel it's um I think it's Santa Fe, in San Francisco over in the west coast, uh, east coast. Um, yeah, some place like that, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. If this is New York, it makes even less sense 
because it'd mean that I'd either have to get on the barge in New York, go down to the Panama Canal, go across and then come back up to Sauna, or yeah. they'd have to drive them cross country over to uh, over to California or even down a bit further south and get on the barge there. Um, I don't I don't think they're driving these things to Costa Rica then barging across. In the uh, in the novel, they um, I don't know how, but they'll load into containers and carry to the island via a Huey helicopter, which that's not happening. <laughs> I always hated that in the novel. Um, all this weight and you got you got a little helicopter carrying them in shipping containers. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just adds to that why and sort of. Uh, I don't think it could have been written in. It's sort of a bit um, ambiguous at the moment. It's just sort of me looking into it for something more. But yeah, it was interesting. I was, you know, I was hoping to see some sort of tag here or something to uh, let us know where this is located, filming-wise, of in 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 film canon. And um... no, I I have no idea where that. I would suspect it's somewhere on the west coast, and Eddie just drove there. Mm. Possibly that's the. Uh, I don't think that's a rental car because he has all this. Stop in there, and the van looks beat up, and they wouldn't give you a beat up van in a rental car. Yeah, good point. We don't get a we don't get anything out of him in this minute. Um, we also get Malcolm. Or the minute ends with Malcolm marks and Eddie if um, he's coming along, and Eddie's saying he doesn't like the field that much, but uh, this time he's making an exception. Mhm. So um, looking looking at the time frame here. Kathy got attacked on sauna 48 hours after she was treated in hospital. Injun holds their board meeting, um, and Ludlow takes over from John Hammond. Um, they must have been planning Operation Harvest on sauna for some time before that, um, just for those vehicles to be ready. Mm-hmm. But um, Hammond tells Malcolm in minute 12 that uh, two weeks ago, the British family on the yacht cruise uh, incident happened. So it's really only been 10 days from now to the boardroom scene when Hammond lost his uh, CEO position. So, unless he's been planning this a long time as well, and this yeah. just sort of escalated and he had to act quick to beat him there. Because you'd think... Days, yeah, but... It, no, um, 10 days from the boardroom scene, it'd be 12 days from Kathy's getting hurt, because... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Ludlow yeah. says 48 hours ago, which would take away two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, you'd think if, if Hammond's trying to do all this after he's been booted out of CEO, wouldn't they uh, pull up on the funds that he could spend? A lot of money going into this uh, expedition. Yeah, well, Hammond's rich. He, I'm sure he could afford the best guy. Yeah, yep. Um, also, the uh, the mobile lab here, we get the introductions of that in the RV. 1996 Southwind Storm on a Bounder chassis. And I, I always thought it was an actual Bounder model because... Um, Back during the day, production photos and that, they always had Bounder written across it with Fleetwood RV. Heavily modified, of course. Uh, All the bars, extra stuff, protection across the windows. Um, Mm. Interesting, and I didn't realise most of this until uh, the guys over there um, refurbishing the actual screen-used RV, going through it. Uh, 46-inch bogger tyres on it, which is insane. (laughs) And a Ford 60 big block V8. You know, I would have thought these things would have been a, a diesel Cummins or something that's a little bit better on fuel and more reliable. But uh, mm-hmm. 
it is a um, it is essentially a movie prop and not something that's supposed to be driven on on the road, which those poor fellows are finding out now with uh, overheating issues and sort of stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Trail section was just a second RV that they cut in half, cut the front off it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is interesting. It'll come up a little bit later when the uh, during the T Rex attack, and we see the um, onboard computer that um, whether it's a callback or an Easter egg or something, we actually see two trailers just joined together on the screen. It's not cut off at all. Well, they actually built a uh, number of trailers. I think they built like three or four of them. They built they built the main one that could uh, drive on the street. Then they built one with the, on a gimbal that they could turn around. And they built another one with the extra long accordion connection, so that it could, um, so that one end could be upside down, hanging off, sort of off the cliff edge, and the other end could be sitting on the set. And <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> how that how that even happens? Yeah. And when I was a kid, I always wanted. I I didn't realize the Fleetwood uh, trailer. I always thought I could uh, take a accordion bus one of those accordion buses and just repaint it into a lost world trailer that's what i wanted to do when i was a kid yep i still want to do that now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because i know there's the, the one that um like the complete uh, inside and out one that they drove around that's the one that still exists now but as you said a couple yeah. others that uh mainly for the uh, action scenes um mm-hmm. I think um, the one that's at Universal, that was the one that went to um, Kauai for the uh, exterior shots, or to Hawaii, because um, it was just used over there for driving around, because we know most of the scenes involving the uh, trails were shot here, in, or shot there in uh, California, because um, mm-hmm. I think that one that went over there was gutted out, didn't have much in it, um, which is why it's sort of sitting rotting in the back of Universal's back lot. Um, mm-hmm. And there was there was another one that uh, came up in the promotional stuff where it wasn't heavily modified like this. It just had the big Lost World uh, logo on the side. I think something has survived that uh, went around touring from place to place advertising the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the ones that the RV restoration guys have. It's that one. No, no, the, this, this one was just a bus. It was just a... Oh. It, didn't, it didn't have the trailer on it at all. Um, it was painted oh. up, painted up. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about, but there was another one that was also for promotion. There was a full double trailer uh, from, used for promotion. I remember. Oh, okay, yep. And we got the, uh, the Mercedes M class, not a 97 M class. Uh, there's a lot of numbers that get thrown around online. Um, the ML320, or some call it the W163. Um, it might be just because there's, there's three different ones, so they might all not be the exact same model um, when coming to it. But uh, as we said before, one of them was uh, codenamed Observatory. We also had the laboratory and convertible models. Um, mm-hmm. We only get the convertible and laboratory on Ireland, which it's sort of it's weird to try and make a, a car multi-purpose like that. Um, mm-hmm. As you said before, with the uh, obs- observation one with the seat in the back and the little bubble in the back, what there is concept art of uh, a similar vehicle, um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not going to offer you any protection against any of the carnivores on the island. Yeah. And and 
you might be able to drive amongst the herbivores, but you could also just hang your arm out the window with the uh, with a camera <laughs> if you if you're filming. But um, uh-huh. yeah, and it's it's interesting. I've a couple of times over I've seen an M class like the early M-Class vehicles um, sitting down, broken down on the side of the road and being abandoned or everything else, and I just want to get my trailer and go and get one so I can modify it. Because um, <laughs> you see a lot of the Jeeps and even a few Explorers getting around, but you don't see a lot of the Mercedes. Um, no. Maybe more so because it's from the Lost World, not Jurassic Park, but... Um, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to do one. Even uh, the last car I brought, I was just going to paint it matte green with some jungle on it and just put the bars over the windows even though it was a wagon but <laughs> just to uh, <laughs> just to homage the look yeah, yeah I always wanted to get a uh, green jeep wrangler like kind of like the ones in the movies but green and painted like a flat jungle uh, olive drab yep and just drop that around yep that'd be very cool but uh, these things cost a lot of money <laughs> mhm uh, for a yeah, for a special vehicle like that. Um, all right, well that's uh, minute fifteen done. Is there anything else you want to add, David, before we get out of here? I know. I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook the Lost World Minute. Twitter at the Lost World Minute. And Instagram the Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to All remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.